And so this morning, I really want to just focus um, my message on this idea of biblical fatherhood and the dynamics of biblical fatherhood uh, and what God says about biblical fatherhood, what the Word of God teaches us about biblical fatherhood this morning. Um, as we did a couple weeks ago with, with motherhood, uh, I think it's so important to understand what God says about these things. It's so under, un, important to understand what God says about who fathers are to be. And for us to look to that and to strive to achieve that in our own lives, not by our own works, but by the grace of God and by the mercy of the gospel. Not by so I want to start out with a quote this morning. It's from John Piper. Uh, if you, some of you are familiar with uh, John Piper. Um, he was a, a pastor and preacher um, uh, at a church up in, in Minnesota. Uh, he's a wonderful writer and, and preacher. He said this about fatherhood. He said, where a man belongs is at the bedside of his children. Where a man leading in devotion and prayer. Where a man belongs is leading his family to the house of God. Where a man belongs is up early and alone with God, seeking vision and direction for the family. Wow, that is powerful. And I think that to a certain degree that is relatable uh, no matter what season and you're I in as a father, to a certain degree, that uh, it can relate to you no as someone who's, who has infants in and toddlers in the home. It can relate uh, it can to you relate if you have teens and preteens in the home. And it can even relate to you as a grandfather. That as a grandfather, you still are fathering your children in some way. And they're still looking to you in some way with regards to how you live your life and how you display Christ and how you 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 live out um, the beauty of the gospel in your life this morning. And so for us this morning, we're all in different places. We're all in different seasons of fatherhood for those who are fathers this morning um, here. And you may be a dad that is that is chasing infants and toddlers like I am, even in my mid to late forties. Yeah, it's um, it's a totally different experience than ten years ago. I tell you that. I'm just like tired. Um, you may be a dad that is overwhelmed by the anxieties of raising a preteen and a teenager. I'm there too. <laughs> you know, um, we may be dads considering how to shepherd our children in their early stages of adulthood. We may be dads considering how to shepherd our children in their early stages or providing counsel and direction to a son or a daughter that's introduced, or sorry, a son that's introduced to the to fatherhood for the first time. Right? Uh, you know, we're getting to a point, and I'm getting to a point at some point where my sons are going to have sons. And some of us are in that place now where our children are having children. You know, for dads, the diligent work of fathering is irrevocable. It really is. The labor is never exhausted in this lifetime. You know? And as dads, there's variations of fatherhood. And they're inescapable, dads, right? There's variations of but the season never passes and they're inescapable, for the father. Right? The Your consistent and loving oversight the never wanes. Your, Your stability will always be needed. Remember that. Wanes. Your stability will always be needed. Remember that. 
Your counsel will always be sought after, and no matter what iteration of fatherhood you find yourself in or describes you this morning, I want you to know this, that you are the spiritual leader of your family, charged with teaching, leading, and demonstrating to your family the goodness of Christ and the graciousness of his gospel. That is your charge this morning. And we're going to see that in the text because we don't just make things up here. We don't speculate in accord with our own opinions. We are led by the truth of God into all truth. And so this morning we get to see what God sees and God thinks about fatherhood. And we get to see how our fatherhood is based in the firm foundation of biblical truth and the beauty of the gospel of Christ. So today our gaze is fixed on you fathers and our appreciation for you. Today we celebrate the immeasurable worth of your work, the steadiness in your sacrifice, the lavishness of your love, the patience of your discipline, the boundless grace in your leadership, and the measure of God's delight in your gentleness. We're going to see that this morning. Christ has granted to you, fathers, a holy responsibility, a worthwhile calling, a sacred assignment that is characterized by loving exhortation, genuine encouragement, a solemn charge, and a life that esteems and reflects the worth of Christ. In all things, you are to reflect how much Christ is worth to you in your fatherhood. And the fires of this leadership assignment are kindled by a father's unwavering attention and affection of the fear and the reverence and the respect and honor for Christ. And the scriptures are so clear and compelling in being able to provide for us an understanding of what this looks like. The scriptures provide for the father this essential spiritual leadership for his family. And the scriptures, God's word, is perfectly and abundantly stocked. And it's bursting with the necessary components to furnish every single father, every single man that has been called to this. You are furnished adequately in his quest to love and to follow and obey Christ. You can do this through understanding the truth of what God has called you to as a biblical father. And above every responsibility that a father willingly bears resides the precious and invaluable labor of teaching and displaying Christ to his children. That is our ultimate goal this morning. That is my goal this morning as a father of four children. Will I and can I, by the grace of God, labor in teaching and displaying Christ to my children? That above all things is what God has charged me and us to do if we are in him. If we follow him and know him and love him and we are under his lordship, that is our ultimate calling. That is how we are to characterize biblical fatherhood. That is, in, in one sense, that is the um, final, the primary heading or sentence for our understanding today. It is the topic sentence for what we are to look at this morning. So these are some of the dynamics. I want you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 2. It's right after the book of Colossians, and we're going to be uh, in verses 11 and 12 this morning. I'm going to begin in 9 just to give us some context. I'm going to... This, this letter was written to a church in Thessalonica, which is a, a church in, uh, in, in that time of Paul was in, uh, in the region of Asia Minor. It was one of the churches that he had planted. And this is one of two letters that are entered into the canon of Scripture that are considered to be inspired by the Word of God. So as we read these words from Paul, it is as if we are reading the very words that are coming from the mouth of God. It's all starting verse 9. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And so here we see this morning the dynamics of biblical fatherhood. This is God's prescription for how we are to conduct our lives with our children. In the family. And here we see this, that Paul employs this feature of Christ's submitted biblical fathering as his model for how he is shepherding the church of Thessalonica. Paul was not married. Paul didn't have children. But here Paul shows us the biblical understanding and the biblical model for fathering by employing it as, as a means to which he was shepherding and growing the church in Thessalonica. He was saying, uh, this is how I grew you. This is how I fed you. This is how I brought you to maturity. It was these things that I employed. And these are the things that a father does in the family. I did these as well with you to see you grow and mature in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what he says. He appeals to the standards that Christ has established for biblical fathers as the example for how he would father his own spiritual children in the church. Paul didn't have biological children, but he had a lot of spiritual children. He was responsible for the maturity of, of so many young men and women that were coming into the church of Christ at the time to shepherd them, to disciple them, to lead them into the beauty of the gospel and the treasure of Christ. And this is what we see this morning. He does not see them as infants in Christ, but as children. He refers to himself as a father, not a mother. And in those terms, and in that day, uh, when, when someone is referred to as a mother, Paul also referred to himself as a mother of the church. But that was because he provided, as we were talking about earlier, the early stages of truth, right? Paul provided for the church the milk they needed, the spiritual milk that they needed to begin their life as infants in Christ. But he's speaking to this church much differently. He's saying, he's saying, I'm your father, which means I am I am charged with growing you up into adulthood now. See, you no longer need the spiritual milk that I once gave you. But now you need to feast on the meat and the truth of Christ in all of its glory. 
And so you must be sort of progressing in your spiritual understanding of Christ. And I'm here as a father to help you do that. That's essentially what he's saying when he refers to himself as a father. And Paul reminds the church of the way he has shepherded them by drawing this fatherhood metaphor and providing for us a practical model for how we are to lead our own families in Christ-saturated growth. So here, I want to show, I want to see four things. First thing is this. Dads, you are divine or diligent exhorters. You are diligent exhorters. Look with me in verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12 this morning. It says here, we exhorted each one of you. We exhorted each one of you. That word exhort, parakaleo in the Greek, made up of these two words, para, meaning near, right? Meaning near, kaleo, meaning to call. You put these two words together, what Paul is saying is, is, I'm calling you near. I'm drawing you near. I'm calling you to myself so that I can show you how to live in Christ. So we are exhorters. Paul's saying, I was exhorting you. We were exhorting you. And fathers, we are to do the same thing. Dads, you are diligent exhorters for your children. This idea that Paul uses here uh, conveys the sense of nearness and closeness. Paul didn't lead from a distance. Even though he traveled around and he was planting many churches and came back to visit, Paul, Paul never wanted them to know or understand that he was distant from them, but he was always near to them and close to them. And he did not lead from this distance, but he led from a place of intimate connection with his churches. Paul at one point urges them to imitate him as he imitates Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.11 and Paul desired his, his life to be a model for others to follow. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. But this can't be duplicated from a distance, but only through this understanding and this exhortation. And the same is for us fathers, that if we are going to, to, to be biblical fathers, we are to draw our children near. Why? So that they can see our example. That we are to lead not from a distance with our children, but we are to lead with a sense of intimacy and closeness with them, drawing them close so that they can see us following Christ. In other words, our message to our children should be this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's, that's the mandate for the father, for the biblical father this morning. So fathers, we are to make ourselves available for our children. To observe our growth in Christ. And let the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit be noticeable and show them the way to Christ by drawing near to them. That's not done in perfection. That's not done without mistake. That's not done without sin. Or we sin as fallen fathers against our children sometimes. We speak negatively. We, we react negatively. Uh, we don't respond every way we should. We are impatient. We lack grace and mercy in many areas and many times. I know firsthand how hard it is sometimes to raise children 
and to be consistently patient with them and learning with them and coming alongside them. So often I want to just dismiss them, give up on them and say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. But God has called us to a greater standard. God has called us fathers to live and to love and to exhort our children by drawing them near so that they can see us imitating Christ. Even with all of our faults, even with all of our shortcomings, even with all of our weaknesses, our children must see it all. They must see it all. We must be able to forgive or have them forgive us sometimes. You know? So often I'm asking them to forgive one another because they're always at each other. But there are moments where I have to ask them for forgiveness because they see it all. And they see it all because I want them to be near so that I, they can see me trying to follow Christ. So we are exhorters. We are diligent exhorters. Secondly, we are, re- we are encouragers this morning. First, uh, uh, second, uh, sorry, First Thessalonians chapter 2, 12 again. It says this, Paul says, For you know like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and what? Encouraged you. We encouraged you. This word here in the Greek, made up of two words, this is not draw near, but this is to, dr- this is to bring near through speech and word. In other words, we are to draw our children near with our kind words. That we are to encourage our children with our words and we are to draw them near with our words. That our words should not be agents of division with our children. Right? We are not to provoke our children to anger. But we are to lovingly draw them near with our words. Even though they mean we words of correction and discipline, they are to be laced and seasoned with grace. So we are to draw them near. We are to encourage them with what we say. In other words, what comes out of our mouth matters tremendously to God when it comes to our children. And we are short sometimes with our words. And we are mean sometimes with our words. And we are frustrated sometimes with our words. God extends through the gospel of Christ amazingly abundant grace in that. He does. And that's why we need to hear the gospel. We need to be reminded of the gospel and the grace of Christ. Why? Because we fall short so many times. We want to live and live out the commands of God, which are to be an exhorter and an encourager and a reminder and one that's walking in, the, in a manner worthy of Christ, right? We want, to, we want to be able to live out those all of those commands, right? Because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll what? Keep my commands. And Jesus commands us to be encouragers and, and reminders and exhorters. But here's the problem. We can't do that perfectly all the time. We fall short so many times. That is why we must understand understand we need to keep the commands of God but when we can't the grace of Christ through his gospel is there to pick us up is there to remind us of our imperfections and that is why we both need God's commands and God's gospel and that is why we both God's commands and God's gospel because we cannot do this outside of the grace of God but we are encouragers this morning we're to draw near our children with our words 
And here Paul is leading them. He leads them in this intimate way through modeling his lifestyle and his speech to them, his gentle words of influence for them. And Paul's method was to lead and teach them and cheer them on with gentleness, yet discipline and correction. So fathers, draw your children close with your gentle words. Draw them close this morning with your gentle words. Influence them. Cheer them on as you see them in Christ growing. Because it's not easy. Whether we have toddlers or, 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 or infants, obviously, or, or preteens or teens or adult children, they are still our children, and God has still given us a measure of care and comfort for them. And I want to encourage you, fathers, this morning to keep encouraging your children because following Christ in this world is not easy. But your children will benefit from your encouragement of them through your gentle words of, of encouragement for them. And God has commanded us to do this, to be gentle encouragers, to, be, to, to come with a, a level of, of understanding that we understand and know what our children are going through. We can relate to them in their struggles to follow Christ. But this is what we are called to do, fathers, as biblical dads. Thirdly, we're to be reminders. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, same verse, verse 12. This is what it reads. It says, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you. Three things here. Exhorting, encouraging, and charging. Dads, you are meticulous reminders. That is who you are. You are meticulous reminders. This, this word in the Greek charge really uh, conveys this idea of a solemn appeal, a heartfelt plea, or an earnest request that is made wholeheartedly. The idea of bearing witness and providing evidence. In other words, the, the father is to, in every way, charge and remind his children of when they uh, fall or when they miss the mark or, or when they fall short in their, in their, um, in their pursuit of Christ and, and being led by him. Paul charged the church because he knew how difficult it would be for them to follow Christ. He understood that difficulties were to come as they are today in this world. It is not easy to follow him. The, the world constantly tempts us to leave our faith. It constantly tempts us to want to serve it and relegate Christ to some sideshow in our lives. And it was no different for Paul and the church in that day. They were coming into this newfound faith in Christ. And Paul knew there would be temptation that would present itself, that would approach the church. And that this temptation would cause them to consider abandoning Christ. And succumbing maybe to societal pressure or familial pressure. Many are coming out of Jewish households and converting to Christianity and following Christ. Paul says, you need to understand the difficulty and the cost that it's going to cost you to follow 
But take heart, I am solemnly charging you. I charge you as a reminder of how important it is to follow Christ in the midst of temptation and difficulty. And there is a risk of being led astray. Paul understood this. Paul understood this because Paul made an emotional appeal to the church to be faithful to Christ. So fathers, for us, with all diligence and with all patience, we are to remind our children of the high calling they have in Christ. Especially in times of difficulty. Especially in times of trial. Especially in times of, of, of suffering. Especially in times where your children may be trying to figure out how to live out their faith and raise a family at the same time. That's hard. But we are to, even with our young children, even when it becomes difficult to follow, even when the pressures of life uh, face and present themselves to our children and our preteens and our teenagers, we are to in every way charge them, show them, and remind them of the high calling they have in Christ. Show them and remind them of the high And it has to be a source of encouragement for them. So we are to exhort them. We are to encourage them. We are to charge them and remind them of who Christ is and how valuable he is and how worthy he is to be followed. And finally this, fathers, there is a virtuous walk that lays ahead of you. There is a virtuous walk that lays ahead of you that is going to be a symbol. It is going to be a reflection of Christ's grace in your life. The virtuous walk that you are are. are you are accomplishing or that you are um, participating in this morning is vital for your children to see. Lastly, this is what Paul says. He says, we exhorted you, we encouraged you, and we charged you. And what is it to? It all culminates in this one reality. The aim of his charge, the aim of his exhortation, the aim of his encouragement is this, that you may walk in a manner worthy of God. All of this is for one purpose. It is to one end. It is to produce one outcome, fathers. That is that you would walk in a manner worthy of Christ. That you would reflect how valuable he is to you through your walk, through how you lead your life in front of your children. That is the point that Paul is trying to make here. It is the aim of Paul's encouragement and exhortation and charging. And he wants to sort of arouse the fathers and, the, and everyone in this church to desire the highest standard of living. He said, this is what it's all about. And this worthiness that Christ has, this is to be reflected in your life. It is to be indispensable. It is to be immeasurable. What you would consider to be the worth of Christ in your life. That he is everything to you. And Paul with tenderness and care draws his listeners' attention to the manner and conduct of their lives that we would reflect on these things. And that when we take inventory of our lives, that we would make sure that it reflects the grace and the mercy of Christ and the worthiness of who he is for every father.
So Paul just constantly employs this understanding this morning. He says to walk, walk, fathers, in a manner worthy of him. That idea of walking is this word Paul uses all the time to express the way in which we live. How we conduct our lives in front of our children. And he says, be careful. I've encouraged you. I've exhorted you. I've reminded you of the grace that you have received and the beauty you have been given, the mercy that has been given to you, all of the benefits of the gospel. I've reminded you of all those things so that you would walk in a manner worthy of him. So biblical fatherhood reflects the virtues of living in submission to Christ and a willingness to resist conforming to the pleasures and the desires of the world. That is how we are to walk. We are to walk in this way. We are to walk in this way by the power of the Spirit. We cannot walk this way in our own abilities. We cannot walk this way in our flesh. We cannot walk this way in some way conjure up enough work and enough desire to be able to do this on our own. But fathers, everything that we do this morning, whether you, you encourage or exhort or remind, whether you walk in a manner that's worthy of Christ, it is all done by the power of the Spirit. When we sing this morning, more love, more power, right? More love, more power in my life. In many ways, we're talking about God Give me an ability to live and walk in a manner worthy of you. It is by your power and your ability that I can do this. Do not let me live or reside or, or, or reflect or, or in any way sort of convince myself that I can do this outside of your ability. For, for you are the means by which I can live my life for you that is honoring and worthy to you. I can't do this any other way. So our prayer this morning, fathers, is God, give me the strength, give me the ability that only comes from you to, to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling that you have on my life. Give me the ability to encourage my children when I don't want to. Give me the ability to exhort them and to draw them near. Give them, give me the ability to remind them of how wonderful you are. Give them, give me the ability and how precious your truth is. Give me that ability. I cannot do this on my own. Give me that ability. So, fathers, ask this question before we end this morning. Will the conduct of our lives consider the worth of Christ? And the virtues that are discovered in his commands? Or will our lives reflect what is considered valuable, attractive, and pursuable to the world? Will we raise our children like the world tells us to? Will we sort of um, default to the, the wisdom of, of childhood counseling? Not to say that there's not good advice out there. Um, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I am trying to say is that God has given us wisdom. God has given us truth. God has given us revelation. 
as to how to raise our children. And that should be the primary source that we go to to understand that. Sure, we can supplement with other things. Absolutely, there's nothing wrong with that. But in any way, if it contradicts what we learn in Scripture, what God has shown us, we must reject it. But God gives us the premier source of truth by which we are to guide our children and to live out as biblical fathers, and that is through the Word of God. And so we are to make a decision. Will we raise our kids in accord with how the world tells us? Or will we raise them in submission to Christ? That's the question this morning for all of us. Will the worth of Christ be reflected in our devotion to Him? And would He be placed above every other cause, care, and desire? This is what we are to model to our children as biblical fathers. So I'll end here. There shall be no greater work for a father than to lead his children into all the glorious virtues of a life that is submitted to Christ. Biblical fatherhood is a labor of teaching. It's a labor of teaching, but also demonstrating. It is a labor of teaching and demonstration. And it is saturated in this reverence and love for Christ. Fatherhood is a labor whose work produces a supreme supernatural satisfaction. Like when we are leading our children and we are in submission to Christ and we are leading our children into the glory of Christ and being submitted to Him by the power of the Spirit and loving God with everything we have, knowing that we fall short so very often when we are covered by the grace of Christ, but we are leading in the best way we can in accord with God's truth, our children as they grow. There is no greater satisfaction. There is nothing that compares to that. It is beautiful. God has blessed us with grace in that place of being able to lead our children in accord with the truth of the gospel. This brings a sense of divine contentment for every father. And it can never be achieved through the pursuit of any other desire, or passion, or vocation. It is wonderful. And I'll end with this quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon. He says this, When a man's heart is really right with God, and he himself has been saved from the wrath to come, and is living in the light of his heavenly Father's countenance, it is certain that he is anxious about his children's souls, prizes their immortal natures, and feels that nothing could give him greater joy than to hear that his children walk in truth. Wow. That's quite a statement. But it is so true. Why? Because it reflects it reflects the, the truth of Scripture and the commands that Christ has given us as biblical fathers. And these are wonderful and these are to be embraced. These are to be welcomed in our lives because they're leading us they're leading us into the virtues of a biblically-centered fatherhood. And so I encourage you, fathers, and, and exhort you to consider these truths 
and these commands that Christ has given us in his word. And this is how we are to lead our children. And like I said, whatever season we're in, it doesn't matter. Whatever season our children find themselves in, whatever age, your, your responsibility to father your children never ceases. It never ends. God has given this as a perpetual ability and responsibility until you're with him. And so I want to encourage you in that this morning um, as we gather together and as we celebrate you guys this morning. Um, stay close to Christ. Stay close to him. Be encouraged by him. Let him lift your heart and your spirit. Let him lead you with joy, even in the midst of frustration and hardship. It's not perfect. It's not easy. But it's something that we cannot turn our backs on. It is something that God has called us to that is beautiful. It's sacred. And it's distinguished. God has given you amazing gifts as fathers. He's given you amazing responsibility that you should never abandon. And it is only by the grace of Christ that we can walk in these things. Amen.